Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. In my last podcast, I talked about the lessons that I learned being a TED speaker in April in Nashville. It was a profound experience for me, and I was grateful to be able to share with you uh, the things that challenged me, the things that I learned, the things that I learned about communicating in our current culture. There's one big lesson that I learned, and I want to take this podcast to talk about it. It's not about my speaking or your speaking and communications, but rather it's about a revolution that's happening in our culture that TED is part of. Um, TED started in 1984, as I'm sure you know, and uh, it many, many, many people have been speakers for TED and the various TEDx type of events that go on around the country and the world. And thousands of talks are now viewed online at TED.com. And uh, it's, it's very moving to see the variety of topics, to see the, uh, the skill, to see just the culture that's grown up around it. But when I was standing in the room in Nashville at the Tennessee Performing Arts Center, uh, watching this event ramp up on the day that I spoke, what moved me the most was that several thousand people had paid a pretty big chunk of money to sit there and be taught about topics that really they couldn't even be sure what the topics were going to be. They were just eager to learn. In other words, no one signed up to hear me talk about the Kurds, I don't think, but they did sign up trusting that Ted would put together a tremendous slate of speakers and that the speeches would be fascinating, there would be knowledge that people could use later, um, and that it would be life-changing in some way. And as I stood there at the what we call TPAC, for those of you not in Nashville or Tennessee, we call the Tennessee Performing Arts Center TPAC because it's just easier to say. Uh, as I stood there looking at this crowd, largely of the young, largely of, of a whole lot of hipsters, of a wide variety of types, largely white, but um, many Asian, many African-Americans. In fact, the, the, the MC was African-American, a good mixture of young America. I, I was again reminded of the, the education revolution that we are living in. Uh, it is possible today for you to get more than just up to speed, but to gain a really advanced level of knowledge in a huge number of fields, uh, completely free, or nearly free anyway, uh, and uh, almost completely online without enrolling in a formal program, without paying massive fees. Uh, and, out, and, and driven by your own intellectual hunger and perhaps professional need. Now, I'm moved by this because as a student of American history, I am very, very aware that many of our greatest leaders throughout history were self-educated. Uh, I'm fascinated with self-education because the same skill that we read about with George Washington or Abraham Lincoln, you know, reading by the fire, or uh, even Booker T. Washington, um, Others uh, learning, teaching themselves to read in difficult circumstances um, all through history. Many of our great leaders were self-educated people. Now, someone will say, well, of course, this is because people were on the frontier uh, or they were in extreme circumstances like slavery. And I certainly understand that. But there was always a, a mo motif, even a worldview um, in American culture that fed this issue of self-education. There was a fundamental distrust of the universities. Um, and then, of course, in, in frontier America, there weren't universities initially. Um, but, but it was more than just a lack of resources. It was a fact that 
the, the, the sense was that knowledge was somehow controlled by institutions, that it sometimes didn't reflect uh, the theological bent that people wanted, uh, that it often wasn't available to the lower classes, meaning just the average workman. That's what they would have called the lower classes. And so people needed to get it on their own. And there were many, many movements that I won't go through in detail in American history to uh, help people learn and grow and improve and increase. There were lyceums and forums and lecture series and even even desk kits for home where you would get certain books and they would be put in an exact place on the desk that the school had sent you. You know, there were later when there was radio, there were radio courses and lectures, all sorts of things. And so this was not just an accidental thing in American history. Uh, this was the product of a philosophy. It was the product of a worldview. It was a product of the idea, we will reinvent education. We will esteem knowledge. Uh, we will shape the next generation in our own uh, image, so to speak, or in ways that are more effective that have been handed to us previously. We will not see anyone denied education because of lack of money or because of where they are physically uh, or because of lack of connections or you know, aristocratic representation or what have you. And this continued uh, well and it has continued well into the modern time. Uh, Harry Truman uh, never went to college, but he was exceptionally well educated because he did, as he said, read every book in the Independence Missouri Library. And he was known as a very intelligent, well read man, um, but he did not have a bachelor's degree. And of course, we're a master's degree or, or a doctor. We had a Supreme Court justice in the last century who, uh, late in the last century, Justice Black, who did not go to law school. Um, we, we have had a presidential candidate, uh, even recently who does not have a bachelor's degree, smart man. He's the governor of a state, Mr. Walker. Um, but he's, but he does not have a bachelor's degree. And, and had he, if he gets appointed to anything federal, if he gets ever, should ever make it to the white house or he, he will do that, uh, not have, not being the product of formal institutions of education beyond high school. Um, even to achieve the, the the status of governor of a state. It's pretty amazing. So my point is not to be anti-educational institution. My point is to say that this dream, this passion, this zeal for knowledge, this this worldview that that made a man or a woman want to improve, to read, to grow, and to go out and get it on their own rather than feel themselves deprived because they couldn't go to Oxford or Cambridge, uh, is is very much with us. And given the technology that we now have, uh, it's pretty stunning what's possible. Uh, I have taken law courses from Yale. I didn't do it for credit. I didn't pay any money. Um, I simply watched uh, iTunes U and watched an entire course uh, on privacy from Yale Law School. Um, I have taken other courses. I, I have... Uh, listened to every course that certain professors I admire have to teach uh, or have ever taught in, in a form that's been recorded. I track certain scholars. I listen to what they have to say. I watch certain debates. Um, in other words, even though I have uh, advanced degrees, I'm constantly studying and learning uh, on my own through technology. And what the reason I'm saying all this is that that's what Ted represented so powerfully to me as I stood there at TPAC in Nashville and looked out at that crowd and prepared to give my talk. 
these people got a wonderful smorgasbord, a wonderful array, a beautiful buffet of information and knowledge and personalities and images and just worldview expanding information. And given the type of people that were in the audience and given what they were exposed to, I'm sure that there are books being read now and further lectures being investigated and websites being examined uh, as extensions of the material that was taught that day. Now, I'm saying all this to say that whatever your degrees, whatever your background, your level of knowledge, uh, it is important for you to realize that we are in an information revolution. And that revolution essentially is comprised of two forces. Number one is the technology. The fact that I can sit here on my couch, in my home, with a laptop in my lap, and I can pretty much learn anything I want. From Khan Academy, uh, that many of you will know of, which is a revolutionary approach to online learning for high school and younger, uh, and I think now extends into college, all, all the way to... Oxford advanced level lectures and entire degrees, of course, being offered online. Now, I'm not so much interested in the degree side. I'm more interested in the fact that the technology makes information at an advanced level available to us. Second of all is the fact that knowledge is increasing so dramatically. During the Middle Ages, all that a man or a woman needed to know in their entire lives is equal to what we know today as one Sunday edition of the New York Times. But in our generation, knowledge is almost doubling every three to five years. Scholars debate that principle and how long it takes, but I think when I say five years, I'm, I'm safe. That means that throughout most of your lifetimes, assuming you live a good long life and nothing horrible happens to you that shortens it, uh, knowledge will double. Think how many times that's going to happen. In, in your life, uh, depending on how old you are and how old you're likely to live. Assume you're going to live to 85 and figure out how many doublings there will be. Those of you who are mathematicians can, can give us an exact number, an exact formula. But I'm aware, I'm in my mid-50s, I'm aware that knowledge is going to double many times in my life. And by the way, in my field, which is history and theology and so on, knowledge is increasing even more rapidly because we didn't have DNA testing some years ago. Uh, we didn't have the kind of archaeological tools we had some years ago. Uh, we didn't have some of the ana analytical tools that we had some years ago. For example, um, it's not my academic specialty, but I, but I deal very much with the American Civil War. Well, already, just in the last few years, the, the, the historians have concluded that many, many more people were killed during the American Civil War. It used to be that you, you said that uh, approximately 630,000 people were killed. Now it's well over 700,000. So analysis, statistical analysis, um, everything, uh, every kind of analysis, soil samples and the DNA analysis of, of, of bones and uh, the ability to scan underground digitally and all of those kinds of things increase knowledge. So two things are producing a revolution. One is the technology and the other is the rapid increase of knowledge, which is partially a result of technology, but also simply a result of the fact that there are more people contributing knowledge to the total body on the earth. Uh, there are more people simply on the earth. There is more research and study being done. And all of it, uh, not all of it needs to be known by us, but much of it does. For example, just today in the newspaper, there's a report uh, that a man was killed in Bangladesh. And I'll let you go find out why it was important. 
ask yourself, do you know where Bangladesh is? Have you heard of Bangladesh uh, since George Harrison did his concert for Bangladesh in the 1970s? Those of you who are older know what I'm talking about. Uh, Do you have any idea why Bangladesh would be significant at all? Has there ever been, been any important news about Bangladesh? Well, it's maybe your entire life is not going to rotate on that, but you should know where Bangladesh is. It could be that the event that happened there just in the last 24 hours is going to be massively important. Um, in, the, in the course of the, uh, of the unfolding of that region, I'll go ahead and hint and tell you that it, might, it has to do with uh, issues related to gay rights and gay safety and uh, the quote-unquote gay agenda in various nations of the world. And it certainly has to do with religion and a religion's reaction to that agenda or the safety of homosexuals in the world. So this is an important issue. It's a frontline issue, and you'll need to know where Bangladesh is. Now, I'm just pulling this one fact out. But the fact is that all of us who plan to be of importance in the world, meaning of impact, that's all I mean by that, not famous, um, and most of you who listen to this podcast are leaders in some form, you will have to be aggressively committed to a program of self-education in your professional fields, uh, in general knowledge in the world, uh, certainly in areas that you you enjoy, um, and maybe in hobbies and what have you. But without question, in your professional field and in the broader knowledge just of living in the world and understanding it, uh, you have got to commit yourself to a program of self-education just to stay up. And then, of course, I hope you commit yourself to a program of self-education so that you can simply enjoy knowledge and increase understanding and, you know, live out what you're meant to live out to the glory of God, Uh you know, I love the, the scripture in Proverbs, for those of you who are Bible readers, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out. I love that idea. That's what research is. That's what study is. That's what learning is. So Ted certainly challenged me as a professional speaker to be better and how to be better. But it also reminded me that we are living in a massive educational revolution. It is very significant. In fact, the first time I ever became keenly aware of it was when my wife took all of my Microsoft technology out of my office and moved in my Apple devices. And I never read a book and I never took a course and I never uh, studied formally to understand Apple technology. I simply lived in a culture of learning. And together, we all learned how to use Apple products to a very high degree of proficiency. And I still have never read a book on any Apple device program or function. It's an educational revolution we're living in. In fact, now you'll get a computer, there's not even a a handbook inside. You're expected to go online or just go on the device itself and just learn it, and people do. So there's an educational revolution happening in every possible direction, and TED, to me, represents that. Uh, I, I know that, in a sense, it's a product of a broader revolution, but then many revolutions have come from it. You know, Wikipedia was born of TED. Uh, sometime after 1984. So the challenge for you is how are you pursuing knowledge in a manner that's interwoven with your life? How are you doing that? It's not going to happen accidentally. You can't just let knowledge float into your brain from movies and television shows and podcasts and assume that that's going to be enough. Be pursuing some formal area of study on your own. 
I want to learn American history. I want to understand mathematics better. I want to understand outer, outer space. I want to understand music beyond just my five or six chords on the guitar. Um, I want to learn how to cook. I, I want to learn whatever it is that is a passion of yours, and certainly in your field, certainly in your profession. Um, be pursuing in some formal way. Have a learn list. I call it a learn list. I keep a long one. Read in those fields. Watch the best speakers in those fields. Plow through services like TED and listen to all the great talks. And have goals. Have specific goals. Whether it's an area of literature or some technical area, this is where enjoyment in life comes from. This is where uh, increase in your profession comes from. And this is how you simply stay up with an understanding of the forces that shape you in the world. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on CNN, Fox, and The Huffington Post. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and The Miracle of the Kurds. You can learn more about Stephen at stephenmansfield.tv and greatman.us and connect with him on Facebook and on Twitter under the name Mansfield Writes. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is produced by Isaac Darnell, who also wrote, performed, and produced the Rockin' Podcast theme song. Be sure to rate the Stephen Mansfield Podcast in the iTunes Store. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.